I wanted to share a message with you today. Several months ago, I did a, I did a five-week series on, on being clobbered in life and how sometimes life has the ability to just clobber you and, and, and knock you down and almost out. But God has a plan. He wants to help us get through these major life hurdles. And so they're going to play a quick little video to kind of introduce it. Then we'll, we'll talk about this for a few minutes today. As you can tell, when I did this series, uh, it was the videos weren't the favorite of all the ladies in the church. But I'll, what can I say? A couple guys went out and filmed these videos. You know, what, what can I say? Well, this series, I talked about what to do when life clobbers you. How do you respond to life when you get clobbered by a major life event? You know, there's a big difference between the hassles and annoyances of life and then being clobbered by life. I mean, every day we have to go through the hassles and annoyances of life. You know, you're running late to work and, and, uh, you catch every red light on the way to work. Uh, you go out there in the morning and, uh, your battery's dead and your car won't start or you have a flat tire. You know, these are, are hassles and annoyance, annoyances in life. And, you know, I can attest to the fact as a church planner, that, uh, you know, the annoyances and hassles of life, they can just almost put you over the edge sometimes. And, you know, when, when I'm getting very old now, so when we started a church, there were no, you know, today you can just buy packages to go set up church on Sunday morning. Well, before we just, we use hand-me-downs and anything that was donated and we put it together and prayed for by faith that it would work on Sunday. That's the way we planned the church, you know, kind of old school. And I'm telling you, every Sunday morning, something blew up, something didn't work, and it's 10 minutes before service, and you're just trying to, you know, you only got a few people coming anyway, and it wasn't going to be particularly good anyway, and, and and now things aren't working, which is kind of catastrophic, you know, and I had one of my men come to me one day and said, Pastor, you know, every Sunday morning, you just, uh, you just look stressed out. I said, and? <laughs> you know, you're, 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 you're observant, but I just remember some of the things they went through, and, um, and I remember we were, we were using this, uh, kids are kids daycare. And, uh, you know, there had a little room and we had to move everything. And I'll never forget this. There's restroom facilities all over this daycare, but there were two like five feet behind where the last chairs were set up. And my wife, Tracy, told me, Terry, I think you ought to lock the doors from the inside so people won't go to the restroom while you're speaking. And I'm like, who would do that? Who would do that? And we have it recorded on ser- uh, during my sermon. Three people apparently did that. You know, and God's leading the children of Israel out of there. Whoosh! I mean, those power flushes. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, that's a hindrance, you know? You're too lazy to go to the restroom right around the corner? I mean, you know, who, anyway. 
and uh, you know, just just create just crazy things. I remember uh, one time, you know, you're just trying to get people to come, and so one of the ladies in my church, she said she worked at a she worked at a at a home with uh, with 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 people that had different uh, illnesses, mental illnesses, and different things. And she said, Pastor, the only way I can come to church is if I bring some of my people with me. You know, hey, when you got a few people, I'm like, hey, bring them. Bring the whole crew, I, you know. And I'll never forget this. I'm preaching a sermon. I didn't feel like it was going particularly well. And a lady right there that she brought with her started cussing during my sermon. <laughs> Out loud. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just bad, you know. And we, we, we got one visitor here, and I'm like, you know, it's over. They're for sure not coming back. <laughs> you know, and there were times when I'm like, you know, God, you called me. It would be really nice if you would help me just a little bit. I mean, no cursing people, no toilets flushing. I mean, if you just could be so kind as to help your children out, you know. Uh, man, just just a, just an amazing thing. One time we did a vacation Bible school, and it's one of those things to where we wanted people to come back. So we, we did this little uh, parade around the sanctuary, you know, with kids doing tambourines. And so then they set them out and went to their children's church, and there's a tambourine set right there on the front row. And a little girl, a two-year-old girl, sat with her mom the whole time, and she rang the tambourine the whole time. The whole time that I spoke, she rang the tambourine. And, and, and about two minutes before I'm done, my deacon went and took it from her. <laughs> really? You didn't get the spirit of revelation like when I started? You know, I'm like, come on, you know? And so anyway, well, the, the hassles and, you know... Uh, as we mature in life, we're supposed to learn how to handle the hassles and annoyances better as we grow up, as we mature. Now, some do that better than others. I know some people in their, their retirement age, and they've never learned how to handle the hassles and, and, the, and the pressures of life. And I'll never forget about six months ago, something happened, and it was not a good situation. And I responded, you know, actually, I responded very well. And my, my wife was like, Terry, I'm so proud of you. You're, you're starting to grow up, you know? <laughs> but, but boy, the hassles and annoyances, they, they get to you a little bit. But then things happen that are major life events. They're huge, and they're not just hassles. hassles they're major life events, and, you know, someone that we love very close to us dies. A spouse who we've been married to for a long time tell, comes in and tells their, their partner, hey, I'm, I'm gone. I'm not coming back. This, this marriage is over. Somebody's been building, putting everything they have into building a business for years and years. And it looks like everything is going well. Then a business that was going well, it just turns south. The economy changes, things change, and all of a sudden everything they put their life into is, is gone. Or they're working for another company and they think they have a future and the company comes after years and years, just gives them a pink slip and, and, and lets them go. Uh, or, or, or maybe, you know, maybe you have a child in life, a grown child, and they're just not, they're not doing well in life. They're not living how you raised them to live. And man, that, you know, it just really begins to, to weigh on you. And, and, uh, you know, all of a sudden we find ourselves in a major clobbered situation. And really, when we get clobbered, it's really like someone just gives us a punch in the gut. Something that we were not expecting just comes in and it can be overwhelming. I have a, a chart for you, uh, a guy, uh, by the name of, of Holmes, he created a stress scale and it, he, uh, the, the most, 
the, the most uh, stressful situations. Of course, the first one is the death of a spouse. That's all the way at the top. A divorce, marriage separation, a jail term is way up there. I had, in our church a few weeks, uh, several months ago, we had someone come and they said, hey, this one person in our church, this one leader in our church, she's just not right. Something's wrong. And I went and talked to her and I found out that her son just got convicted and was going to spend eight years in prison. I mean, that's a, that's a blow. That, that, that's, a, that's a clobbered event. And you can go down and, and look at some of these. I'll never forget, you know, sometimes we think that the annoyances, the annoyances and, you know, the, the little troubles of life, we, we think they're big until we get, get clobbered by a major event. Then we realize all these little things we were worried about, they're really not a big deal at all. I'll never forget. It's been 10 years now, but my middle son, Ty, uh, got to a place in life. He was seven years old and he got to the place where he started having developing stomach issues. And I mean, he couldn't eat. He always, he always hurt. He just sat on the couch and held his stomach. Of course, we have some of the best medical facilities in the world in Houston, Texas Children's. We took him there. All of the best doctors looked at him. They studied him. They did, they did scopes and they knew what the problem was, but they could not, nothing that they offered uh, worked. And of course, when you're going through this, everyone you meet has a solution. Do you do that to people? Please don't do that to people. You know, email them stuff. I mean, we listen, but when you're desperate, we tried. Now we were, we were praying and all that as well, but we tried every natural remedy. We tried, we tried everything that we possibly could. And at the end of a year, a doctor said, uh, Mr. Darnell, we don't know. You know, we don't know what to do. Uh, we would just suggest that you return to life as normal and do the best you can. Hopefully he will grow out of it. And uh, so, you know, what we did is we started, uh, you know, we had already been praying, but then we took that to another level, we began to fast and pray, and, and the whole church joined with us. And, and within, within three months, uh, he was totally back to normal. Amen. It got a miracle. And, uh, but I want to tell you, that year is one of the worst years of my life because it, it just gets you when something that's important to you, you know, get, gets clobbered. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget, this is one of the crazy ministry stories. And in any story that I tell you, I, I, I promise that it's not exaggerated. It, it, it is just what it is. And you can, uh, you can ask my wife over here. I'll never forget, talking about a clobbering situation. Uh, one time at two in the morning, I get a call at my house. And it's a number of years ago now. And so, you know, I'm fiddling with my cell phone. It's dropping around. I pick up the phone. There's a lady in my church. And she said, Terry a lady broke into our house and tried to kill my husband. And I'm like, well, I need to talk her down out of the tree. She's a little exaggeration here. I'm like, well, well, tell me what's going on. Where's your husband at? She said, well, the last time I saw him, he was on the, on the gurney going in the ambulance and he had a knife sticking out of his head. Dear Jesus. And so I did what every good pastor does. I call my youth pastor. I'm, hey, I should not keep all these things to myself. We should share ministry. And I called him. I said, hey, listen, you go to the house. I'm going straight to the hospital. And, and one thing about me, my, my wife gives me such a hard time. Um, I go on, you know, all these world mission trips, but I'm kind of a germaphobe. I'm the kind of guy that I need hand sanitizer all the time. You know, I'm just, that's just the way I am. You know, I don't really have an issue. I just want to protect myself, you know. And so I go in the hospital and I never forget. Here's this guy. 
in my, from my church. He has a knife sticking out of his head right above his ear. He has blood everywhere. And when I walk in the door, he has his arms out to me saying, Pastor. <laughs> and I'm sitting here thinking, oh my goodness, is that dried? Or, you know, can we get some Clorox wipes here? I mean, listen, I know Jesus would just go hug him, but I'm not there yet. I'm trying to get there. I want to get there, but I'm just not there yet. And so I, I swallowed and I went and I held his hand and I, and I held his hand and I talked to him as they were pulling the knife out of his head. And so a lady had broken into, into his house and, uh, there was a work related problem. She'd accused him of some things and she had a knife and she walked in his house over his bed and went, and, and went to stab him. And he just saw a shadow and stuck up and it stuck right here in, in his skull. And the only thing that saved him was she wanted to pull it out and do it again, but the handle of the knife broke. And then they wrestled around the room. This is factual stuff. And, and, the guy's wife got a baseball bat and started hitting this lady. It was a really, a really big muscular woman. And when my youth pastor, Stephen, he got there and he called me and he says, Terry, is he alive? Because there's blood everywhere. There's blood on the ceiling. There's blood on the walls. There's blood just, just everywhere. And so, you know, we, we kind of got through this and he's, he's going to be okay. He went home and, you know, what do you do? You don't really go home. So we just went to the office. I mean, what are you going to do after that? You know, it's seven in the morning, you're going to go to bed. You know, what are you going to do? So I went to the office. I'll never forget to in my office. And I, I heard my youth pastor, Steve Bowen, I, I remember him saying, I hear him say, uh-oh, oh no. Oh no, Terry. And I go in there and now this, this guy that had the, you know, the, the knife in his head, he now, they're interviewing him on TV. And, and I'll never forget the scene. He had a, Gauze around his head, a cigarette hanging out of his mouth, no shirt on, had little booty shorts on. And, uh, and he's sitting there telling the story and I'm, I'm like, I'm like, Jesus, please say you go to Lakewood, please, for the love of God, say that you go to Lakewood. Well, I mean, how many of you know that is a clobber situation right there? That's it. You go to bed and and a, a crazy woman breaks into your house and tries to kill you. That's a, that's a crazy, you know, situation. You know, as a pastor, I see it all the time. People come into my office, they call me late at night, and they begin to tell me of a situation in their life that has clobbered them. And basically, here's the, the bottom line. What they thought life was going to be like moving forward has been drastically changed. It's, it, and, and, and how, and they know, now know that as they move forward, it's impossible for life to be as they imagined it to be. So the human expectation has been dealt a, a, a you know, a serious blow. And, and most probably everyone here this morning has had some type of a clobbering situation that, 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 you know, just caught you by surprise. And so the difference between a hassle and an annoyance and a clobbering situation is, is, is uh, the importance of the event. If you have a flat tire or not, it's really not a big deal. If your wife leaves you, if you lose your job, if you get some bad news from a doctor, you know, that has the ability, uh, you know, to change the course of your life. And so when we get clobbered, really what it does is it brings an awareness of our own inadequacies. When I got clobbered, when you get clobbered, all of a sudden we realize that we can't do life on our own. 
Or if we try to, it's not going to go very well. And what we realize is all of a sudden that that we need help, that we have limitations and we need someone stronger. We need somebody wiser. We need somebody with 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 uh, with greater capabilities uh, than we have. And we realize that, man, we need a God. We need a God who can reach down and support us with strong arms. And and, you know, Christians, Christians are just regular people. But Christians are supposed to have been in a situation where they've already they've already served notice that I can't do life on my own. I need Jesus to come into my life. I need Jesus to help me. I need I need the direction of a father God and I can't do it on my own. And and the Bible's very clear about this in, in, in Psalms 23, verse one through four, the shepherd psalm, which I'm sure everyone has heard before. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet water, waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So, you know, when we give our lives to Jesus, we have to know that we're going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death at some point. Uh, being a Christian doesn't doesn't deny you some of the trials of life. But the difference is when you're in the storm of life, that Jesus is in the boat with you. He's stabilizing the boat. And I'm telling you, it's a scary proposition when you're going through a major clobbered situation and you're trying to do it on your own. In Psalm 61, verse two, it says this from the end of the earth, I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed. See, when we get clobbered, what we're saying is, okay, I'm overwhelmed. I'm, I'm out, I'm outgunned. There, I have nothing left to give. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And so when, when we get clobbered, we realize that, that there is a rock that's, that's bigger than we are. There is a, there is an all powerful God and, and we, we need his support. We need his help to get through the clobbering situations of life. So when we get clobbered, the, 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 I guess just to be very basic, we realize that the idea that the myth of self-sufficiency is overrated. See, the world does this thing is that, oh, you just do what you, whatever you want to do. And, and you know, if it's important to you, you just do that. And it's really an idea that you can be self-sufficient, that you can work hard, that you can do all this. And, and that, that, that's just not what, what, what the Bible says. The, basically the Bible says is, uh, self-sufficiency is a myth that it doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how many degrees you have. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It does not matter how, how long you've been married or how, how strong and determined you think that you are at some point in life, we all get to a situation where we need a rock that's higher than I, as, as a pastor, I continually see this. I talk to people and you know, they, they call me at odd times. They come into the office and they want to tell me how bad their situation is. But it, what's amazing is so many people, they don't want to turn to God. And I'm like, well, why are you coming to me? I I really can't help you. All I can do is direct you to the one who can. Amen. And direct you to God. But so many people, even when they go through problems, they, their pride, they want to be self-sufficient. They want to keep things their way. I'm telling you, when you get desperate enough and when you get clobbered hard enough, you will have no problems running to God. The problem is that some people don't know where to go. So if you're here this morning, you need to go, you need to go, uh, to God. 
the Bible, the Bible is just an, an, an incredible book. And uh, the Bible says that we need to run to God. And that one, one of the one of the analogies, one of the one of the characters in the nature of God in the Bible is that the the Bible, especially the Old Testament, it, it pictures God as a rock, as an immovable, as an immovable rock. And uh, it says that that's that's part of that's part of his, his character. And it paints this picture, and you know the Hebrew, the Hebrew language is really a very pictorial language, and and so uh, when it when it talks about the nature and the character of God, it, it gives descriptive terms in there to really understand uh, what it's trying, the message is trying to convey, and and in the Old Testament, there's there's the symbolism of God is that He is our rock, and there, there's three things, there's three things that a rock provides. First of all. God the Rock provides safety. That's protection. God the Rock provides security. It's a, it's an he's an immovable force in our lives, and and God the Rock provides supply or provision. See, there's three things when you get clobbered by a situation. There's three things that you really need from God that you can't do. First of all, is safety. The next one is security. See, what a clobbering situation does is if, we, if I'm standing right here and I'm comfortable right here, I want to stay right here. And we get comfortable in life and we want to stay right where we're at. We want to stay at the job we're at. We want to stay in the house we're living in. We want to stay. But what a clobbering situation does is it knocks you off your comfort zone. It knocks you off and, and, and then you feel like, man, what can, what can I do? And so God, he provides these three things, safety, security, and supply. And if, I encourage you, if you read, read the story of the children of Israel, God was always showing himself as the rock. Water came from the rock. You remember that? There, there's so many things in that analogy. And then Jesus, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27, which is one of the great, really, uh, stories in the Bible. It's at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus, and Jesus says this, everyone who hears these words of mine and what, and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. It says, listen, the storm's going to come, the wind's going to come, the rain's going to come, the water's going to rise. But if you've built your house on the rock, you're good. But if you've built your house on the sand, you know, it's, it's going to, it's going to destroy your house. And that's what I've noticed in life. In life, we all face the same issues. The only difference is some have their house built on the rock and some on the sand. And what happens is when a life comes crashing down, people all, they always want to say that their problem is bigger. Your problem is not bigger. Your problem is not bigger. Your foundation is just flimsy. And so it's the, when we get clobbered, we get to find out what we've built our life upon. And so when, when we get clobbered, we realize the idea is that self-sufficiency is over, is overrated and that we need to turn to God. But there, there's something else I notice. When we get clobbered, we begin to forget the future. When we get clobbered and when you realize life is not going to be the way that I imagined it to be, a lot of people just give up. They just give up and, and they don't dream anymore. They don't pursue God anymore. And that is really a sad situation. I'll never forget this. When I was a college student, I stopped at a, I stopped at a, uh, at a little grocery market to get gas or like, I don't know, quick stop place. 
And I was getting gas. I was a college student, so I wasn't filling my tank up. I was getting what I had in my pocket there. But then I looked up there, and they had two hot dogs for, for 99 cents. So I, 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 we're going to get one less dollar of gas so I can get that. And I'll dig in the car seat and get some change to pay the tax. And so this guy comes up and tells me he's a homeless guy. He looked terrible. And um, he said, uh, hey, I was wondering if you could help me because I haven't eaten in several days. And I'm thinking, okay, there goes the hot dogs. <laughs> but I said, sure, I'll, I'll, let me go. We'll buy. You. I said, listen, listen, I'm a college student. I don't hardly have any money either. But I'll take you. I'll buy you two hot dogs for 99 cents. He said, that'd be great. I said, well, listen, let me t- tell me what your story is. What's your story? And he said, well, I, I went through a really bad divorce. Okay, okay, what's, well, I went through a really bad divorce. He I found out he had degrees, he had engineering degrees, he had all these things. I'm thinking, you ought to be buying me two hot dogs. <laughs> what's the problem here? Well, the problem is he went through a divorce, he saw no hope in the future, and he just gave up. Just gave up on life. Listen, there's people all over the place just just give up on life. Just because you got clobbered, uh, it doesn't mean that you no longer has, have a future. You say, well, Terry, but it can't be what I expected. No, it can't be. Perhaps it can't be. But we serve a God who is able to resurrect Jesus out of the tomb and he can resurrect your life. He can give you a better job than the one you lost. Uh, he can, he can restore your children. He, anything that is, that is gone, he, he has the ability to restore it and still make your life good. It's, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a waste. It's a lack of faith and it's a waste just to give up on life and, and, and stay Stay where you are. I had a had a friend one time. His name was Ken, and I met this guy at the gym. And all I knew is that he was always positive. So one day we were talking, and uh, right out of high school, he got a job at a company. He was eighteen. He worked basically uh, twenty five or thirty years for his company. Had a pension. He retired in his forties. You know, he retired. And two years after he retired, the company went bankrupt, and he lost all this pension. And I said, "Well, what'd you do?" He said, well, I went home, I hollered at the dogs for a couple days, I moped around and felt sorry for myself. He said, then I realized, I'm like, this is not going to do me or my family any good. So he said, I started applying for jobs and my idea is I'm going to work hard and I'm going to expect God to bless me again, again. And, and, and now he has a great job, he's happy in life and, uh, you know, maybe it wasn't God's will. For him to sit at home the next 25, 30 years of his life doing nothing. Go out there and be and be be productive. You know, the most beautiful word in the English language is tomorrow. And when we get clobbered and when we, we lose something that's dear to us, many times we don't want to think about tomorrow anymore. We just want to stay in the pain of the past. And listen, the hope of the hope of the gospel says that God can help you get over all the issues in life. He can help you fight through the emotional difficulties of life. And he can help you to where you can view that tomorrow can be better than today. And that that's the whole hope of the gospel. And I'm telling you, if we don't have that hope in church, we should not even come. If we don't have the hope that God can resurrect our lives and bring the dead things back to life, if we don't have the hope that tomorrow can be better than today, we should not witness anybody. We should not try to bring anyone into our faith because that is the essence of the gospel, that God can take a messed up, broken life. He can heal it. He can resurrect it and give you hope for tomorrow. That's the whole essence of the gospel.
One of my favorite scriptures is Romans chapter 4, verse 18 through 21. And, and, and it tells the story of Abraham. And it says this, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. And so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and Sarah, Sarah's wound was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the prompts of God, but he, he was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. And I just want to say, you know, in, in that amazing story, Abraham's looking at his body. He's looking at his wife. He's looking at his body. He's looking at his wife. And he looks at his wife again. And, you know, they're not getting older. He says, man, my body is good as dead, but I still believe. I still believe against all hope and hope. I'm going to believe that God is able to fulfill his promise. And, and I, you may be looking in the mirror and you may say, my life is over. My career is over. My potential is over. But I am telling you, if you will keep the faith, God has the power to resurrect what you don't even think it's possible to resurrect. And, and that's, that, that's where we're going. I'll, I'll never forget when I was a little boy, uh, my dad had a friend named Ernie Topher and uh, Ernie was a very interesting man. And, uh, you know, way back at this time, uh, the big deal was, you know, basically Baptist churches and charismatic churches and Baptist churches didn't believe in the Holy Spirit and stuff like this and speaking in tongues. And so Ernie Topher had a, had a ministry. <clears throat> what he would do in, in these small Texas towns, he would go and, uh, he would go speak for these small churches that needed an interim pastor. And they loved Ernie because he was so filled with faith and so positive. And so they would hire him to be the interim pastor. And as soon as they hired him to be the interim pastor, he would start teaching on the Holy Spirit and get everyone in the church filled with the Holy Spirit. He was just ruining the Baptist church. I'm telling you. And, uh, but everyone knew him from all over because he was always positive and always talking about just faith filled. And I'll never forget, um, one day my dad got a call and said, Ernie's house is on fire. He lived about 15 miles from us. And it's one of those things to where um, I just was, I was seven or eight years old and I just heard the action. So I just jumped in the car with my dad to go to Ernie's house. And when we pulled up to Ernie's house, <clears throat> there, he had a driveway up to his house. There were cars parked all over and the house was all the way down. It was just smoldering. It was done. And there were probably 50 to 100 people just looking around at the site. And I'll never forget as a little boy, I'm just trying to see, trying to get through. And Ernie is going around. Of course, his wife is there. She's devastated. He's going around. He's kicking through stuff. And, uh, you know, no one knows what to say, what, what's going what's gonna to happen here. And Ernie kicks down there and he, he, he finds a Bible that is in perfect condition. And he picks up the Bible and he says, this is what I've been telling y'all. I've been telling you that the word of God is incorruptible, is indestructible. I've been telling you all along. And he's giving an altar call right there. Well, and again, see, here's you're telling people about your faith. When you get clobbered, that's the opportunity for you to show people what your faith can do. And, and so, Ernie, I'll never forget this. First of all, many people came to know Christ during that. But a few short weeks later, everyone came to help him out. He got insurance money and he built his wife a nicer house than he had before. 
So now if he just wants to go out there every day and feel sorry for himself because his house burned down, he's never going to get a new house. And, and, and yeah, some of the childhood memories were, were gone. Some of the pictures of the family heirloom stuff were gone. But God provided for him and he got a new house. And I, I just want to say this morning, no matter where you're at in life, uh, no matter how bad that you think it is, the God that I serve is able to reach into your life and he's able to give you a future and hope. He's able, it may be different from what, from what you think or what you thought. That doesn't mean it can't be great. Different doesn't always mean, it, uh, different doesn't always mean bad. I know that we all hate, we all hate, we all hate different things. We all, we, we like to get in routines and things, but, uh, but God is able, God is able to do that. And, and so in a room this size, I, I know there's several different groups of people here this morning. First of all, I know there's some people here this morning and, and you have never given your life to Jesus. There are some people here this morning and maybe the reason you're here today is because a situation happened in your, in your life and, and you're, you're saying, well, I don't know what to do, but I'm going to go to church and I'm, I'm just going to, that's what I'm going to do. That's all I know to do. And, and first of all, I want to say that the very first step in getting through a clobbering situation, the very first step is you have to come to the rock that's higher than I. You have to come to Christ. And so today, we're going to give you an opportunity just to give your life to Jesus. Uh, if, if you're down, discouraged, and depressed, most likely you're not going to be able to pull yourself out of it. So I encourage you to come to the one who can. Come to the rock. Come to Christ, the one who's able to lift you up, give you safety, security, and provision. That's the first thing. The second thing is this. There may be some Christians here this morning, and, and quite honestly, you're just discouraged about where your life's at. You're discouraged about some of the things that are transpired in your life. And, and, and I, I'm just, I just want to say today that, that God can still help you right where you're at. And, and you know, sometimes as Christians, we've given it to God, but we take it back. We give it and we take it back. We give our kids to God. I was praying with a man one time and said, he said, I'm ready to give my kids to God. I gave, he gave, we gave his kids to the Lord. And on Wednesday, he's calling me again. I'm like, well, we just gave them to God on Sunday. He's like, yeah, I know. Hey, sometimes we just, we just got to come and, and, and meet with God and say, God, this is what I have. I've already given my life to you, but man, I got some things spinning out of control. And I, I just, I want to give it to you. And I'm just going to, I'm going to trust that you're, you're you were going to help me to get back on track. Could we stand this morning? And could I get the prayer team to, to come up here this morning? <clears throat> with heads bowed and with eyes closed, I'm just wondering this morning, how many people are here this morning? If you were just honest, you'd say, you know, Terry, I'm not sure if I've ever given my life fully to Jesus. I'm not sure if I died today that I would go to heaven. How many people are like that this morning who would say, I just want to give my life to the Lord this morning? I see that hand. Is there, are there any other hands? I see that hand. Any other hands? I see, the, I see those hands, yes. Hey, there is great news this morning. We're going to take care of that this morning, amen? I'm going to pray.
And then what I want you to do, all those that raise your hands to give your life, Lord, come down here this morning and tell one of these people up here this morning, say, I'm ready to give my life to the Lord. But also after I pray, I'm just going to invite anyone here this morning who just feels like they've been clobbered just to come up here. We want to encourage you. We want to pray for you. And and uh, that's what Christians do. It's It's okay if you've been clobbered, but you don't have to deal with the weight of that yourself. God, we thank you this morning, Lord, that you're such a good heavenly father and Lord, that we can come to you with all of our cares and concerns. And God, this morning, Lord, this morning, we just come before you and Lord, you don't want us to deal with all the clobbering situations of life by ourselves. God, you want us to come and give it to you. So this morning, Lord, I pray that people are pouring out of this, out of the crowd and coming up to receive salvation, coming up to receive prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.